Welcome to Beer Massive, a collection of good beer-centric conversation, interviews, editorials, reviews, and more from a collective of centrally like-minded yet individually opinionated good beer fanatics. From podcasts born in the present, or from our massive library of brewer interviews from years past, we hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do enjoy what you're here, please subscribe. Feel free to reach out to us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on tap, at Massive Beers, or email us individually at massivebeers at gmail.com. Cats away. Nothing that would make a big difference. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could sleep till whatever I slept, till 8.30 this morning. You know, it wasn't like... No, I get, I get the same thing. You know what I mean? I'm, my wife, she's so fucking awesome, but when she's not around... And, Hang with the boys. It's just fun. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That's there's, it. a, there's a difference. There's a different tone and tenor to it. Nah, for real though. It's the it's the same. My wife's great, and she lets she's very allowing, and she you know I have a lot of freedom, but wanna you know you want to be you want to be you. She kind of <laughs> yeah, to be, right? that's it. But you know you want to be reasonable though. You know? Well, that's I mean that's it's a respect thing. Well, when you guys met on the road, right? When you're traveling, when you're when you're acting, we or? used to get paid to tell people that we actually met in college. Oh, you did. <laughs> I shouldn't say we got paid to tell people that, but when we were touring, the director insisted to say that we met doing the show. Oh, okay. And we were like, That's "Where'd you go to? Where'd you go to school?" Ramapo College in Mawa. Okay. Ramapo College State School in Jersey. How old were you? When we met? Yeah. Twenty-one. So now I'm thirty-seven. So this this year will be sixteen years we've been together. We've been together. Or we've been married uh, nine years. This is 2018. Yeah, October 10th will be nine years. So, That's awesome. Yeah, I was pretty much the same uh, with uh, Saving the Life. I was pretty much on track to living on a mountaintop in Argentina uh, and being very happy, and I'm sure doing whatever came my way. But Gina was like, "Uh, how about we live in New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania? I'm like, ah, that's cool. (laughs) Do you guys... um how long did you you both got an acting thing through separately. school separately yeah actually I was like uh, you met before that though no we met in college while we were both oh, okay. separately doing that okay she had been acting all all her life in school productions and things like this or whatever since she was a, ba- a kid you know <clears throat> I, I was not um, the fellow who shoots a lot of our videos for this place the, the Nums Films fellow mm-hmm. he's one of my best friends from growing up, he and I started making little videos, and we'll say that probably started in 95 or 96. You know, we were just in high school. And uh, we ended up going to college together for uh, filmmaking. For video. I went to school for video pr- production and for um, videotape editing, specifically. And through that, I started, and I just took acting classes and these things, and then I ended up moving to New York, and I was doing more production work, but then I would just, like, go on auditions and do acting stuff, too. And then that went, that went further than the production work, so. Was it, was it the ultimate goal to become an actor? Was it that, yeah. like, was that the, or was it just, it was a path, and you were just running yeah, that path? Yeah, that one, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, like, I was really lucky, like, you know, you, I was a bartender, you know, and uh, I would get these acting jobs here and there, and it was like there seemed to be some success in it. And then when Gina and I both ended up getting a national tour of, a, of, of an off-Broadway show, it was like, well, this is really rad because, like, it was a, it's, there was a lot of opportunity in that, you know, and it just sort of became our decade 
it was eight years of touring, you know, and bartending, working at breweries. It was really rad. What um, what 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 led you to the to the beer? Was it was it was it? Uh, there was always like there was like the two two tracks at once. Yeah. So I was always on both that those I don't want to call them parallel paths, but uh, I had started enjoying beer. Before, or right when I started it's making videos. It's like an alternate videos. timeline, but living in the same, yeah, same time. Yeah, like uh, Back to the Future 2. Yeah, like, um, and a half. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the the one, recut, the redub. Yeah. <laughs> Biff, Biff is simultaneously an idiot <laughs> and like the leader of the free world, which, uh, well, that sounds familiar, huh? Yeah, like that would ever happen. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Wow, we are, we're living in that. Uh, so, yeah, that was it, you know, really... Honestly, it was uh, it was both both very. I don't want to say they're both viable. I think actually brewing was more viable, of course, but um, they were both passions, and I enjoyed both of them. And well, now I get to do both. Well, do you, I mean, you would know infinitely better than I would, but I would assume there's way more luck involved in acting than there is in brewing. Do you know what I mean? Because the end. I mean, you, I think anything you do in life, you have to be good at what you do. But there's always right place, right time when it comes to a lot of yeah. things. I think acting has a lot more. You need a lot more of that. Right place, right time. Then brewing, because if you just make a banging beer, you know you can just kind of shut up and let it, let it talk. talk for itself. Yeah. No, there's a lot of nepotism, of course. So yeah, uh, right place, right time. Who you know, how you know them, uh, in that world, and just I don't know. That was a, it was a, it's a strange, it's a really strange world. It's not that we didn't find great success in it. You know, I could have, I could have been a background actor. From I mean, I have all my union cards. I mean, shoot, background actors and. Uh, Stand-ins, you make like silly money to do absolutely nothing. So a lot of my business planning took place while I was doing background acting or something. Like I'd be an extra in something. Well, but you say that you said you could do that, but you say it would have this hesitation. It's like someone. It's like a lifelong. I mean, because I know you love sports so much, the sports <laughs> ball. Um, you know, it's like being like a backup quarterback. The ones that know they're never going to play. Like there's some people okay with living that life, but right. then there's some people like I want to i want to do the best that i can oh, do yeah, and i for sure. and kind of have this you know kind of drive to do things do you think you could have just stood and been in the background no just like i probably couldn't have worked for somebody else's brewery you know i mean i, I could have and i tried to i was like why don't we just move to newburgh and i can work here forever gina she was like no <laughs> it's not gonna happen i was like well it's really easy i could just work here and I like, I like, I love my job, and I love these guys, and I love what they're doing. And she was like, "No, you, you do, but you don't. You want to do your own thing." She was really encouraging. So, and I'm really, truly glad we did. And I like living here a lot better. I always dug Beth. I, mean, I lived in Easton for several years, so it's. Um, you moved down here um, just because of kind of more based off her family and stuff like that, trying to get down closer yeah, to them, right? Exactly. Yeah, we had actually. Now, are we recording? Mm-hmm. Oh, we are. Oh yeah. Oh, groovy, cool. <laughs> Awesome, because I was going to say maybe we should save some of this, but no, <laughs> cool. no, we're 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 in the middle of the podcast. Uh, levels <laughs> levels are okay and everything. Everything's good. Oh, okay. Now this is all different. Well, um, you know, you, you, you kind of if you start off, like, let's start off the podcast. It, it just gets mechanical and forced yeah, and yeah. Shit, no, that's you know? awesome. Uh, cool. Well, okay. So Gina and I, I was working at Newberg, and um, again, loving my job and everything, and. Uh, it was the decision was sort of made that we should uh, do this on our own, and not just on my behalf or my uh, for my sake, but also Gina. She was working at restaurants in um, in New York. We were living in Weehawken, New Jersey at the time, so it was about an hour and a half up to Newburgh. 
it wasn't the most uh, ideal living situation or life, especially as a couple. So we had been looking in Bethlehem, in the Lehigh Valley, specifically in Bethlehem, for a couple of years at that point. And uh, we then had an opportunity on Gina's grandmother's farmland in South Jersey. And that went really, really poorly. Uh, it was just a lot of good old boys politics and nonsense. Yeah, and this is, and even Jersey is way a little bit more progressive, a little bit easier to open a brewery now than it was even back then, but it's still super, super tough. And farm brewery is almost next to impossible out there, right? Right, and that was just it. That was just it. So they sort of redirected us to the middle of town and said, hey, if you're going to do this down here, you know, we don't have a variance that allows breweries, you know, how about you pay for that variance and then we'll see where it goes. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to pay for a variance that may or may not happen. I'm going to pay for lawyers. So you guys have it drafted into your program here that you can have a brewery, but I may not be able to open one. And you want me to open in the middle of an industrial park on a street that I just found out you're closing to put in a roundabout. And, you know, it turns out that was closed for two years. So we would have, we would have been effed. So anyway, so we came back up here. We were, again, still acting and we were touring. And we came back, back through Bethlehem to do the show, and uh, the, the show was called Tony and Tina's Wedding. This is a, it's an improv dinner theater type uh, interactive theater show. And we came back through here, and somebody from Economic Development reached out to us and said, hey, whatever happened to you guys opening a brewery here? And we said, well, uh, we kind of got sidetracked by South Jersey, but we would love to find us a building, and we'll do it. And Economic Development for the city of Bethlehem actually ended up helping us find this building. So that was uh, that's what that's what that's what I mean. I don't want to say that's what brought us to Bethlehem, but that's what sort of sealed the deal. And you, the bomb place. That's where you, that's Weehawken. That's that is you, Weehawken. Like, was that was there? Why? Like, it, was it just you had such memorable? You know, that like formed your life living there, and yeah. that's why you use the name. Like, I'm the, sure you've told this to people before, not to do origin story stuff, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I love the story. If I if I didn't love the story, it's almost like a you know, I don't know, I don't. I'm sure the Eagles hate playing Hotel California, but it's what's what gets you where you are, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, we uh, we yeah we did we truly love living on Bond Place. We had just moved out of Manhattan. We actually kind of got displaced from New York. We lost our apartment and. Um, somewhat mistakenly actually gave up our apartment and we were ended up becoming homeless technically you know technically homeless so we, we we had actually we did not have a home so we were homeless so we were staying with friends and stuff until we can get our stuff back together and we were simultaneously on tour so it was like really tough to find an apartment and sign a lease and everything and then we found our apartment on bond place in Weehawken <clears throat> so there was that already you know it was sort of became this home for refugees across the river from from the city we lived and worked in for so many years and we uh everything on that street was just a story i mean from our landlord who we very affectionately call the bond lord to the uh opus the cat dog that lived down the street or uh you know the neighbors that nobody knew was sort of like the burbs you know do they have a, a femur <laughs> bone in their backyard uh bond place just became that it was like this Oasis, you know, after I was working at Pony Bar at the time in New York on 45th and 10th when they still had that location. So my night ended at 4 a.m. And really, I mean, that's on a good night. I'd be getting out at 4.30, um, you know, after we cleaned up and everything and ca trying to catch a bus and getting back to Weehawken was always, again, this oasis because, you know, you're leaving 
the, the cra- like we you know pony bars in hell's kitchen is sort of like this aortic valve of of manhattan like you know the if the heart is in times square we'll say like it's it's right there yeah so it was always very intense and very uh it's just frenetic energy, and it just it, it it was very. I loved that life. However, at the end of the day, to have that little bit of sort of paradise, I guess, right, so close. Well, it's, it's balance. You yeah. know what I mean. And you can't have both. If you live one end, you're Wolf yeah. We Wolf, did that for a Wolf long of Wall time. Street. You know what I mean. You're just going like ninety miles per hour the whole time. Yeah, that's uh that that led to my first heart attack. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that, that you're absolutely right. It was a. Uh, it was balance, and it was life. It was work-life balance, and that's what was out of whack while I was working at Newburgh. Was Gina was still living in Weehawken, working at Orso in the city. I'm working upstate, and we had these like, we had like two lives each. And then you know, it just so happened that one of those lives maybe intertwined with each other once in a while. So it was just, it was time for a change, uh, and that's what ultimately brought us to Bethlehem. And the name Bond Place, yeah, sort of representative, um, not only of that sort of. Uh, idea of com- we had a little community and the idea of uh you know the uh, the way the oasis that balance to to living in new york or working in new york rather but also that's where i started homebrewing uh the original idea for bond place brewing company was i was doing custom beers for people because you know uh putting sparkles and gold flakes in a beer wasn't really quite a quite the thing yet you know it wasn't all the rage <laughs> putting lactose in a beer wasn't the thing yet but what what I was doing was making labels and beers for people. Say you were having a child or whatever, mm-hmm. an anniversary. And I was like, oh, that'd be a really cool business idea for wealthy millionaires who can walk to a custom brewery. It was like, it didn't make sense. I don't know how I would even adjust prices for something like that. So I was like, well, I'll just make custom beers for me and hope everybody else likes them. But uh, the idea was maybe you say to me, uh, you know, it's my wife and my anniversary. And the first date we ever went on was at a sushi place in Bethlehem and it was it's BYO and I want to get her you know a six pack or something and I would give you a list of ingredients and we'd be like well let's do like a wasabi ginger beer with gold flakes or something yeah. like this you know for instance uh, and then I would design a label so I was doing this for people you know friends and family um, and it, it seemed like a really cool idea and I was like oh we can name the brewery Bond Place like that'd be really rad like sort of like home brewed beers, you know, custom beers and from, from home. Um, so Bond Place was sort of always the, it was always the name of, it was more like the idea of what that represented. The, you get here, fast forward a little bit, you get here, you open up the brewery and what was the focus? Cause what you do, it's weird. I always found it kind of weird because it, you're an actor, which is, you know, show business and you gotta be dramatic and, and that's pretty much how all that works. And then, you know, you open up a brewery that is more of a classic reserved. I don't want to say close to the vest because you guys take a lot of chances and do a lot of crazy stuff for your beers. But like, was it always like a conscious decision to do like the kind of cask English style ale? Is that like an untapped kind of thing in your personality that you just wanted to dig into? Or you just plain and simple, you just love those beers and that's what you wanted to make. Yeah. All of the above. So the, you know, like anything else, the culmination of uh, experience and preference and just what seemed to work. I mean, uh, we didn't know if cask beer would work here. You know, we, we had no idea. I know that a lot of people, Working at Pony was a great was a great uh, lesson in what people wanted or what people seemed to want, and the ca- having cask beer was always a draw for that crowd. So, you know, I like to think that if we take 100% of the 
craft beer drinkers. <clears throat> I think that maybe 20 to 30% of those people, which, you know, it's not an overwhelming majority, but it's, it's a big chunk. They only want hoppy these days. So, like, they don't want to hear about anything else. And then I feel like you have about 50% of those people, so now you have 70% of people that will drink hoppy and actually maybe even prefer it, but will try something else. And then you have this not an underwhelming majority, but, you know, you have 20% of people, I'd say, from watching uh, and just market research that don't want hoppy at all. You know, they're, they're actually, no, I don't like IPA, I don't like this, I don't like this. So in order to satisfy 100% of people, which we already discussed that's a, that's a mistake, but in order to satisfy 100% of people, why not have different options? Um, I happen to be in that maybe 50% chunk of people who... I'll drink anything, you know, I'll try anything rather, you know, I don't, I don't have a huge preference. Of course, there are preferences and styles. Uh, but one of those things was, you know, I said, well, if, if even if 10% of people of our craft beer drinkers will drink the cask, you know, that's, that's a decent amount that we can sell a cask every here and there. Um, I didn't think it was going to be every week. And I never dreamed that we would be able to do like a traditional camera, like, you know, we do use a cask breather. We keep our casks refrigerated, so I, I shouldn't use the term. Um, but they're a bunch of whiny old white people anyway. So <laughs> they, go, they um, go against their own research anyway. So right? Like, what's yeah. The point? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're they're uh, they're they're confused themselves. Um, so I never thought that, for instance, we could put a, a beer like our Dark Mild Nemo on cask, totally unadulterated, and sell the cask in five hours. Like super proud of the people who come in here when I see something like that or the porter this weekend we just had porter on and it was one shift it was gone but was it always like that's what I mean like those people is it those people existed or you've trained them do you know what I mean or maybe like those people didn't know that that's what they wanted until they had it right yeah you know to, to try to satisfy like these these uber uh, like that the the I don't. I don't even. I can't even use the term beer geek because, like, what am I if not? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I, I am by all mm-hmm. definitions of that term. However, uh, you know, we're seeing different trends and different styles going different ways. And to try to satisfy that, just that 30% of hopheads. So, like, you know, like the the people who are willing, like the the beer bros and things like this, mm-hmm. and have all these like these beers that we do make and create. However, in conjunction with uh, the tradition, and, and this is going to hopefully get to answer the question in the longest way possible uh, <laughs> to try to satisfy that 30% and only that 30%. I feel like even though that maybe the squeaky wheel gets the grease and like they're, they're the loudest, I didn't feel like was maybe the best thing for us. Mm-hmm. And yet me, you know, the, the, the game changer beers, and I think we've discussed this before and uh, for, I'm sure you've maybe seen this or read this or heard this in one of these, you know, people I always say, uh, Samuel Smith oatmeal stat was a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Brawler was, this is why I brought Brawler and Boddington's, uh, to steal this beer last week or whatever that two week, last week. Um, it was really because these English style, we'll call some of them session beers, um, traditional, traditionally made beers blew me away with flavor possibilities without using these adjuncts. So something like Samuel Smith oatmeal stout achieving this like level of, of toffee and chocolate and caramel and all these things like all at once um, in this beautifully silky full mouthfield 5% beer or whatever it is was like at 21 years old was mind numbing to me Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what flavors were. I didn't know how they, 
I didn't know what ethyl butyrate was. I didn't know what, you know, uh, these polyphenols and all these things that, and these vinyls that could cause aromas and, and volatiles and, and flavors that, like a jelly bean. Like, okay, so what do they just like melt popcorn and make? Like, no, diacetyl is a real thing, and like, you know, there are flavorings. And uh, I really started on that on that track too with uh, with wine. Of course, you know, it was like this wine is so beautifully fruity and there's this like perception of sweetness, but it's bone dry. Mm-hmm. How do you achieve this? Like things like vanilla. Well, where do you get that? Can you get that from Oak? So to, uh, to make these traditional beers and something like, like our, our bitter, you know, when I love reading very, uh, insightful sort of reviews on it. it's like, like weak tea and, uh, marmalade and, uh, biscuits and things. I'm like, Oh, rad. Like you're getting these flavors that mm-hmm. I'm getting as well. And that I've been getting in these traditionally made beers, uh, hops are wonderful for that too. You know, like the blueberry notes of mosaic. If you know, if they don't go the onion grass way, or even that, like that's rad too. You know, like so. I think we did end up training people, if that's the word I should use or may use, uh, at least exposing them to to new things that maybe they weren't willing to try before, or uh, those people were around and they were over going to a brewery and like only having the IPA option maybe they wanted you know a, a four or five percent mild or a three you know we have a Berliner coming up um, and my big scheme on that one is I think the day it comes out <clears throat> we were discussing making it some like ridiculous price point like we'll say a dollar fifty a pint um, and at a happy hour that would then be 50 cents so we're actually thinking about doing two dollars just so we could like actually pay for the beer um <laughs> but then making it a dollar and happy hour just to challenge people that wouldn't necessarily drink you know a low abv um tart sour beer um and then there's gonna be people who are in love with that type of beer and they're gonna be really thrilled to see that you know uh i love i love and it's i guess it's fucking with people and it's i feel like doing it in the right the best way possible flavor perception is amazing and it's incredible to be able to like twist somebody's mind up really quick like we, we used to make a i think they they don't make it anymore and maybe they will again they make a belgian strong ale at newburgh called hoodie it's named after the cat and that beer i mean i used to take gravities on that beer that beer used to finish dry but we used a lot of candy sugar in it so you know people would taste it be like oh that's sweet i'd be like uh, you know like sort of laughing to myself like that's really rad that you know that you can sort of uh manipulate somebody's uh, perception. And that's what we, with the, that black, that opaque glass last week. Drinking beers out of an opaque black glass and getting—I never got uh, circus peanuts on Boddington's, but I will never not get it again. Yeah. Um, I think there was actually like maybe like a little acetaldehyde or something. Like there was like this like really weird like paint thinner aroma or like maybe like nail polish remover. I never got that either. You know, and the shape of the glass, of course, and then just not being able to see it. Like you don't have that preconceived notion that. Oh, that's yellow. It's going to be light, kind of thing. Or that's yeah. so. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of our guests that come in here, uh, we're super blessed that they're the raddest people on earth, and I think they just are open to suggestion and they're willing to try something. Well, I mean, you talked about that. You talked about the perception of the beer 
like when you see it and when you know what you're getting yourself into. But when you're doing the styles that you do, which aren't traditional styles, but not necessarily what 90% of like the uber beer geek people really chase down, it's almost like you're doing the black glass because they don't know what they're getting into to right. begin with. Yeah. So you're almost like you're doing it, even though they're looking at it, they're still like, I, this is new to me. So they get to go in it and not hope for something and just experience the beer the way it's supposed to be or the without that preconceived notion. It's got to be kind of cool to watch the, the gears turn in a person's head while they're drinking a beer that, they, you know, they typically don't drink. Right. Well, and to that point, you said something about being theatrical. So mm-hmm. that's this. So if this, I don't know, what is the stage? You know, um, part of the reason we do what we do on social media with, of course, it's my it's my background and everybody here. For those that don't know, you have to go to Bond Place on Facebook or Instagram. It's mostly, uh, is it Instagram? I link everything from, from Instagram. Instagram. Go, so. And the, you don't even, if you don't like beer, just go there anyway. Because it's like literally like it's your own little sketch com- uh, comedy show every day of the week. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, sorry. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's just it. So I feel like, so maybe there's somebody, we have a guest in Denmark that has never been in this spot before, but they have. I mean, they know all the characters. They know the, the, the set. They know the soundstage. Um, they know who all these people are because they've met them through this social media. And, of course, you know, uh, we try to show, show both sides of that. We show, you know, our real personalities and, of course, maybe these characters that we play. And um, I think we get to see that in the tap room. And part of the reason I like being so present here um, is because I get – I, I don't know what the stage is. Is the stage, like – watching people try a beer for the first time or is the stage watching us pour it you know so it's sort of really rad to be a a part of that bigger production um and it is cool uh part of the reason i love serving i opened a brewery so i can make beer and serve beer and i don't do either of those things really anymore Uh, i do a lot of paperwork but um and really fun podcasts, but uh, yeah. which I've I never know, listened never to. Li- that's, that's, that's like your, I think that's your mantra at this point. You basically, yeah. I think I've heard you say five times <laughs> in person and other places I've never listened to a podcast. I still life. haven't. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to. I'll probably listen to this one. And, uh, I'm sure I, I want to listen to that one we did with uh, Augie and John. That was fun, man. That was, that was really fun. And I, I'd like to see. Well, especially this one. I'm curious to see what ends up making it, considering that the first half of it, I didn't even know I was being recorded. But I was still like, that's the best part. is this thing on? <laughs> uh, um, and actually, you probably hear like some sort of transition. You know that now this is awareness. Like, oh shit! It's you know? the, yeah, the black glass is gone. Yeah, the, right. <laughs> yeah, now <clears throat> coming straight to you from. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, funny enough, we used to. Uh, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But when I would close Pony Bar and miss my bus back to Weehawken, uh, I would have to take the Patterson bus and like jump off on on whatever. That I really didn't have to do this, but I'd be like, next stop, you know, and they'd be like, because uh, they never wanted to drop anybody off in Union City. Uh, but we would always drink River Horse because it was at the, the bodega across the street. It was like the craft beer available. Nice. Yeah. And I didn't want to. Uh, Belgian, Belgian freeze or triple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, shoot, it was fourth. Or I would go to Koreatown and just drink like whatever Korean beer was available and get hammered with Korean uh, businessmen that were in New York. For the, it was fun. Uh, the, the the glory days, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, that I wanted to open a brewery so I could make beer and pour beer, but I was really to get that re- like as an actor. I just went back to a question from like twenty minutes ago. Yeah, uh. yeah. <laughs> but I'm finally better yeah. late than never. Yeah. Uh, as an actor uh, doing imp- interactive improv, you know the reaction was right here. I always got that. But mm-hmm. whenever I did film or television work, 
I wouldn't know that reaction until I got a Facebook message like, hey, I saw you on board to death. Really cool. Like, you know, oh, yeah, what'd you think? I mean, you just stood there next to what's his name and then what's his name did something. And it's like, yeah, I know. What's it what's it like to to kind of um, dial everybody up into acting mode here at the brewery uh, when they're. They, they've never lived in that world. Super easy. Yeah. Uh, Ryan was probably the first uh, first uh, subject <laughs> sub- subjected to this uh, ridiculousness. We were brewing, and we were just like, you know, we would we would always make little goofy videos to see, like, say what what we were doing at the time. But um, well, I actually found you from the nodding videos. That's how yes. you originally started. Yes, you saying nothing I was whatsoever. Just nodding into the camera, and this is God. What two, three years ago? Two so, years ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We still do one once in a while. We'll get a good, get a good nod going. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to slowly make everybody here uh, insta famous. Is the, is the term? Yeah. I think uh, Kevin has already a- achieved this. Ryan got a standing ovation at our one year anniversary party. So, uh, and everybody chanted "Ginger Ninja" as he walked um. out the door. <laughs> So uh, even if even if the community of whatever fifteen people who come in here and care um, <laughs> know who these guys are, and you you talked about like the the person knowing the cast of characters even if they haven't been here before and when they come in it's kind of familiar and stuff like that. And I've always wondered this as as just a person just in general, like does it is it hard to disconnect yourself from being an actor sometimes? Like are you always acting? Uh, maybe I am, and I just don't know it. Uh, it is not hard because I never considered myself really an actor. I mean, I, I also don't really cons- – well, let's put it this way. I kind of very – I acted like I was an actor. Like I, I played an actor on TV, yeah. really, you know. Um, no, it's, it's, it, there's no separation. I mean, it's kind of what you see is what you you're get. You're an actor because you're, you, of who you are. Not, you're not forcing yourself to be something. Yeah, I'm yeah. just like, you know, uh, there, was a, there was that really great show years ago with um, – it was like Air an Wolf? extra show. With Air Wolf, yeah, <laughs> Coach. <laughs> uh, there was that show that was on, uh, I forget what even network it was on. Uh, my buddy Odie used to show me. Uh, and Ricky Gervais played like an extra. I think it was called Extras or something like this. Or ba- I don't know, but he was an, like a perpetual extra, like want, wanted to be an actor so bad. And he'd be on set, and one episode it had Ian McKellen on it. And, you know, they're they're chatting, and he's like, so what's your secret? Like, how do you do this? And he's like... I just saw the clip of this the other day. Yeah, it's hysterical. Yeah. Uh, I show up, I get lines, I read my lines, and then, you know, of course, he's like, you shall not pass, <laughs> you know, uh, action. You shall not pass. Cut. Walk, reading, 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 talking, 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 and it's like sort of, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really it. I mean, y- yes, I-, I think to your point of being lucky, I mean, let's face it, there's some actors out there that I don't know if they're... I don't know what a great actor is, really, I mean... It's kind of a goofy profession. It's like really goofy. I don't know. I just there is no separation. However, I do find that like maybe somebody will come in here once in a while and be like, "Hey, you're that guy that does this. Do it." And it's like I'm bartending right now. (laughs) (laughs) And then you you went from the acting thing to being a brewer, and and for a long time you 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 always done the videos here, right? But now you're getting you're doing the videos a lot more. You're getting a lot more kind of set pieces, doing, you know. Bigger kind of you know theatrical kind of videos right. and stuff like that. It's almost Not like using you're, a you're erring back into that way. Is that more like I have an itch that still needs to be scratched, or you're just like this yeah. is fun as fuck. Let's just do it. Uh, or I think we accidentally found out that it worked. Just like shirt swap Saturday, you know, uh, there's this really cool reaction. Like so, we'll wear somebody will bring us t-shirts 
say massive beer reviews had t-shirts and like one Saturday Ali, Kevin and I would wear them and you know take a photo and say like hey today we're doing you know uh, uh, with our homies at massive beer reviews Da-da. the first time it happened Kevin and Mary who was work- Mary who was working here at the time Kevin and uh, Mary both ended up wearing evil genius shirts by accident and I just like oh that's cool I took a photo of them I was like shirt swap Saturday with our buddies at evil genius and then like it got a cool reaction I was like this is actually some kind of fun so then I think maybe even after that, somebody else just brought T-shirts. Oh, no, Kevin bought us all Lehigh Pizza shirts. So we all wore shirts from Lehigh Pizza. And then Franklin Hill Winery brought them in. They're like, hey, you guys want to wear our shirts? And I was like, dope, yeah. And then, like, Shirt Swap Saturday kind of became a thing. And I don't know that it has, like, too much a tremendous following, but it just seems to work, and it's fun. What, like, um, I was always curious about, like, what percentage of kickbacks do you get back from Lehigh Valley Pizza? I mean, it seems <laughs> like you guys have some uh, kind of financial stake. No, we, uh, like. <laughs> I, I occasionally, on my birthday, I get a free cannoli. Um, I guess that's plural. I don't know. A, a free, a, I get a free pastry on my birthday, um, but which any of you can do that just by signing up for that. And I, uh, and we get a, uh, we get uh, every, every, like, $100 we spend, we get, a, like, a 10% off coupon. But, again, you could all do that as well. Um, and then we get attitude when we ask for paper plates and napkins when they deliver here. Um, those, are the, those are the perks. Of, actually, it's not an attitude, more so as a negligence. They just typically forget to bring them. However, the guy last week did bring them back. So that's, uh, we don't get anything for that. I mean, aside from the satisfaction of knowing that we're all slowly uh, – killing ourselves and you know eating five slices of pizza a night beer and pizza man. it's oh, it's the king it's it's, 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 it's lehigh pizza is absolutely the king of lehigh valley it's my favorite thing in the world the um the beer the names of the beers you you talked about like mui and then otis and stuff like that you pretty much name all your beers after just random bits and pieces from your life pretty much a lot of it's from bond place but yeah, yeah. like what is the bigger bond place you know like is bond place is there a bond lord there is a bond. Is there a beer bond lord yet? Yeah. No, there will be. Um, we haven't decided how the bond lord will come about. Uh, and there was a little bit too much, like, it was too closely related to Dark Lord, so we didn't want to yeah. do an Imperial Stout. Yeah. Uh, bond lord, so we celebrate St. Bond Lord's Day. This is the day that the, uh, the bond lord came, he chased the raccoon eggs out of Weehawken. And, and to explain that, um, our landlord on Bond Place, is, he's amazing. Michael is his name. He may even listen to this podcast. I don't know how, uh, how much involvement he has. In, in, I'm sure once we promote it, maybe he'll listen to it. So, hi, Michael. Um, Italian dude from Clifton, uh, from Weehawken in Hoboken, but lives in Clifton now. Uh, owns Bond Place. You know, it's a family. It's been in his family for a couple generations, at least. Uh, he was, uh, I heard him shooing something away one day when I was in, the first apartment we lived in, in Bond Place. We lived in two. And uh, I looked out the back window, and I sort of saw him in distress. So I, I didn't really think much of it. And uh, Michael was, at the time, listening to his top 40 hits on the local, you know, whatever radio station, uh, shooing a raccoon I had found out. And the way I found out was Michael had, uh, we had, I had approached him later to make sure everything was okay. And he's like, yeah, there was just a, a raccoon out back uh, you know, it was daytime. I didn't know if he had rabies or something, so I uh, shoot him. But then he climbed up the fire escape and uh, went up top there. So I took a sponge and I soaked it in ammonia and I put it up there. So uh, I don't know. Maybe he's got a nest with some eggs up there. So I, fi- <laughs> so I was like, whoa, you're like, you saved my life, man. 
There's a platypus living in the backyard. <laughs> There's some sort of marsupius uh, duck la- or egg-laying raccoon. Or, or it's stealing eggs from the, the robins and the hawks that live in Weehawken. And you've, you've single-handedly, with a sponge soaked in ammonia, like uh, And I told one of our, our, uh, one of our guests who come in here, this guy, Zach, he's great. And uh, he's a scholar and really wise and smarter than I'll ever be. But I told him that story, and he said, ah, yes, just as... Uh, I forget who it was even, uh, offered the, uh, the sponge soaked in, in wine to Christ on the cross. And I'm like, whoa, the Bond Lord is like, you know, like Mary Magdalene or something. I don't know, the Bond, the bond Lord is. So we, ha- we, we have not yet brewed the Bond Lord. Uh, we will. Uh, and maybe we'll just call it Saint Bond Lord or something like this. Um, but then, of course, that's close to like Saint Owner or Saint Arnold or whatever. I, we'll figure it out. But we have not yet. Bre- Maybe we'll just call it Michael. But then that's probably a Hill Farmstead beer of some sort, um, <laughs> some some first name. Um, so yeah. or you could just go all in and just call it like you know bon- Saint Bond Lord Farmstead Ale or something like that. Yeah, you just, right. get, you just get sued from nineteen different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tired Bond Lord <laughs> hands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, he uh, the beer names do all come from. Um, I mean, there's different. Uh, these guys have named some of them. Uh, Kevin named that loud. I won't explain that one. You already know what that means. Um, Butt Rock was named by Odie. Boner Jams was named by Odie. Uh, Ryan named Sunshine and Rainbows because that was his beer. Yeah, the names all come from somewhere, and usually they're some of the names are pretty, pretty forward and out, outward, but some of them are a little more tongue in cheek. You know, maybe you don't get the reference, but like Hard Pass was one of those. What about the actual beers? Like uh, recipe formulation, is that strictly all you, or is it just a mm. collective effort? Or I wouldn't say strictly all me. Um, again, uh, Ryan did uh, that beer, Sunshine and Rainbows. That was a. You know, it was, it was really funny. Somebody said, uh, I, I heard caught wind that somebody was like, oh, he hired this one homebrewer guy and finally learned how to make IPAs. And I was like, yeah, I finally I finally learned how to make those IPAs, those pesky IPAs that have somehow. They'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was Ryan's recipe. Uh, we will consult and say, like, hey, what do we want to brew coming up? Um, and we might tweak based on that and or, uh, for instance, Josh, our, the one brewer who works here, used to work uh, – more famously known as Yuzu Shiro at this point, uh, Josh worked at Deer Creek Malt House. He was a maltster. And uh, he said, hey, can we do something with Deer Creek malted corn, uh, a, a lager of some sort? And uh, that's where the premium lo- hard pass came from. Um, and then to simultaneously answer two questions, hard pass was named after somebody who I suppose you would call a troll, um, who was like, uh... Um, macro log or adjunct lager no thanks and i was like there's no adjunct it's malted corn and they were like well either way hard pass and i was like dude you just named that beer (laughs) (laughs) i was like because it's hard to pass up right (laughs) um no because it's a premium lager and it was fucking delicious how do you deal with the trolls because you know you're talking we we don't have them on i mean that was one but i mean not even just maybe i should uh, reverse that a little bit or just uh, criticism. Do you know what I mean? Because you're like, I don't listen to podcasts, blah, blah, blah. But you obviously pay attention. That's how we met. You know what I mean? From, yeah. from me kind of talking about your beers. And then you're obviously out there kind of checking what people have to say. Does it, is, it, is it just personal kind of like sadomasochistic behavior? Or is it more like I, I really 
need to know what people are saying about my beer or just curiosity killed the cat? Uh, so I actually have a video that I want to share with everybody that we can't air. Um, it's one of our... So what do we do with... How do we deal with that? We make a video about you or we name a beer after you. Um, that's where the beer Massive Dickhead came from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. baby. No, uh, 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 we have Like 19 other yet. people have made that beer, so <laughs> you're going to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> Tired dickhead. Um, so so uh, we... Uh, we did this series of uh, so I used to go on Untapped every day, and I would go on and I would toast everybody. My thinking was, if you give me the time of day to, if you give us this sort of, uh, it's almost like justification in a way to me. Like I'm being recognized, we're being recognized. People are understanding whether they liked it or not. It was like sort of like give me love, give me hate, spare your indif- you know the indifference. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to stop doing that because what I found was it was just driving me crazy. It became obsessive. I, I wanted to know what everybody was saying about the beer and everything. And somebody wrote that one of our Scotch ales was, uh, they wrote that it was butyric. And they spelled butyric, butyric. They spelled it incorrectly. Um, so I was started writing this like paragraph about, it was like a novella actually about how it was, maybe they, the word they were thinking of was, um, you know, like um, phenolic because, you know, it had this aroma of Band-Aid maybe, but this is appropriate for the style and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wait a second. I don't even have 30 minutes from like to hang out with my wife and son. And I'm like <laughs> writing this like diatribe to this person who doesn't even know what they're talking about anyway. This is ridiculous. Uh, you know, another one would be something funny, maybe uh, one one bottle cap uh, had the Goza on cask. I don't like sours and I don't like cask beer. Well, that's really fucking helpful. Like, how can I make this beer better? Well, just don't make it. Like, that doesn't work for me. So how do we deal with that? I think we deal with it pretty well. Uh, We've had a couple. I enjoy reading the one-star reviews of people like, we tried to get into this, like, little shithole that looked really great, and I heard it was really great, but they wouldn't let us in because they were at capacity and we were drunk. And I'm like, right. I I think what's better is also, like, one star and nothing. Like no, no, oh yeah, no, no. Like, <laughs> well, I'll write to those write people. Absolutely nothing. It's Seems just like, like you didn't have a good time. One and a half stars, nothing. We uh, we <laughs> were even better. Is like five stars. I hated or one star was awesome. Like like, yeah. what, were you that drunk? You don't <laughs> yeah, know. How to work? Yeah. That, that might is be it better. like golf? Yeah. <laughs> did I just? Did you just win? <laughs> Hole in one star, baby. That's a beer we got coming up now. Um, so we, I think we deal with it pretty well. We had a. A lot of our, you know, lower reviews are hysterical, and uh, I'll, I'm going to play the video on that. We actually, you'll get, you guys will see it. We haven't had the the guts to show it, and knowing us, that's a lot. But I think we deal with it pretty well. This is this is pretty funny. So we have Zach, the my our friend that comes in here, um, mm-hmm. the scholar. We have him read our, and we actually got a one star review one time that I totally deserved. I told the guy off, and then when he wrote the review, I was like, Hey, man, first review we actually really deserved. You know, thank you for putting me in my place. I, I deserve that because he told me he was waiting 10 minutes to do something. And I was like, well, you're going to wait another 10, you know, next. Um, <laughs> of course, story longer than that. But that was what the review was based on. Um, anyway, so this is Zach reading the review of a young lady who came here on a pub crawl. Her friend was stealing from her. My wife was three months pregnant trying to explain to the woman that she was being stolen from, to which... Uh, she uh, she didn't respond well to, and then I ended up kicking them out. So nice. this is a uh, we'll call Exclusive. her we'll call her Fireball <laughs> Franny as uh, <laughs> the well, n- new so, trend. Yeah, yeah, right. 
Bond Place Brewing Company presents Online Reviews with Zach Arms. One star. Wanted to like this off-the-beaten-path hipster microbar, but obviously I should have known. They signed up for a bar crawl early in the night, I might add, and presided to act like we were second-class citizens. At one point, I was told they wished I would never come back because I complained about the attitude I got at my first interaction with the staff. Very sad and pathetic. This place will never survive. Based on their customer service, clearly, and since it's tucked away in an alley, they might want to think twice about their basic-ass brewery. Clearly, you signed up for a bar crawl to get bodies in the door because they needed them. Act like it. What? They need us, and act like it. So the, the vomiting uh, in the toilet, yeah. really, uh, I, you know, I, I don't ever, I don't want to upset anybody with an eating disorder, really, yeah. but... Uh, you can see why we can't show that, but that's how we deal well, with it. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, and there's you're basically you're touching on like the subject of of a, a bunch of different things. You know what I mean? Society in general. You know what I mean? Of people like it's good to, to rally around a unjust situation, but there's so many people now are like knee jerk, hear something and it, there's no fact checking, there's no nothing, and people jump on it and kind of steer it back to the beer end of things where we kind of laugh at that kind of stuff. Right. It ends up being a lot of what beer people do. You talked about, you know, uh, pleasing people. You talked about throwing the glitter in a beer. You're talking about all those things. You don't do that here. You kind of do your own thing, and you do uh, veer. If you were to look at trend words, uh, like a word cloud of the most popular trends in beer, if you look at breweries, they tend to veer towards that direction when those words get bigger and bigger and bigger. You guys don't do that, but you end up bisecting those trends a lot of times, the right. things that you do, um, but you're steering the same course. Do you know what I mean? Like, how hard is it? Like, I understand, you know, keeping the lights on, you're busy and all that stuff. How hard is it not to steer in that direction and want to be in that world? I mean, you can your first beer, but you can't a beer that most people aren't going to go out of the way right. to get, which right. is in itself so is a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? At one of the places that is... The, the, you know, you, you flannel shirts and chairs, baby. You, you know, you got to yeah. wait in line at this place to get, grab beer. You had a can of tired hands. Like, so you're flirting on the edges of that kind of super trend hipsterism stuff, but you're never there. It's got to be a weird pilot. It has to be a weird pilot of that ship to be flirting with all that kind of stuff. What I love is when people do have the opportunity to come here and see that we may have something for them in that sense. You know, we did fruited lactose sour beers we've we've mm -hmm. done them we have them you don't ever hear about them those aren't the ones that you know and actually i shouldn't even say the the, the ones that got medals at gabf because i don't even know that people really care the, the people interested in those trends don't necessarily care about those award ceremonies mm -hmm. um you know that a lot what's difficult about it what's difficult about any of that is keeping the staff here at a balance and happiness so like if I say to Ryan and Josh, hey, do you want to enter GABF this year? That's important because I've had these opportunities working at other breweries. I've had the opportunity to sit at a festival and pour beer for, you know, people who are very interesting. Um, I don't want to do that anymore, but maybe these guys do. Maybe they haven't. Uh, luckily, both Josh and Ryan have, and we're pretty much on the – We're. I would like to say we're like-minded. I don't know. I, I have to, you have to ask them. Um, we get those opportunities in something like a cask beer. So we'll put lactose, vanilla, and fruit in a cask beer and name it Titty Sprinkles and put it on, and it'll sell in four or five <laughs> hours. So people who actually have the opportunity to come in here and see that we do 
offer those things and that we're not just we're not necessarily anti-trend uh we flirt with those trends, but I, d I just don't want to make 200 gallons of a trend beer. Uh, have we? Sure, of course. You know, we, we make, uh, we have a Brut IPA type beer in the tank right now that we're really excited about. It's one of my favorite hoppy beers we've made so far. Um, we do these beers, we just don't, we don't distribute it all. So in order to, uh, to get them, you have to come here. The, what happened with Mui was really awesome. Uh, since we opened, that was always like a, the brewer's beer of choice, but it was also the beer enthusiast's beer of choice, um, and that has been across the board and like sort of blindly. I don't know. That, I don't know that there was ever actually like until Tired Hands brewed it and canned it for us with us. I don't know that it was actually like a known thing, you know. And it's still a very not a well-known thing. I mean, people might hear Bond Place now and be like, "Oh, that's isn't that that brewery that Tired Hands brewed for or whatever." Um, isn't that the brewery that Tired Hands made really great? <laughs> or isn't that the beer that when Bond Place brews it, it gets a 3.6 on Beer Advocate, but when Tired Hands brews it, it gets a 4.1? Uh, <laughs> it's the same beer that got a silver It's that medal sticker in the can, man. It yeah, makes everything it taste better. Right, yeah, it's, it smells like we didn't lie for four hours. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. uh, luckily, that, uh, that is um, aptly put, and uh, rightfully so, uh, uh, the advertised as the no-frills, uh, uh, I forget how Gene put it or who, whoever handles their social media put it. But that was a really beautiful thing because, again, that beer had always had this uh, beautiful thing around it that really brought people together. And it was always, we've never not had it on. You know, I'm sure there are people out there who still think it's the first seven barrels of it. You know, it's probably the <laughs> 18th time we've brewed it since we've opened. Um, you know, and, and you're just topping up the same tank. Right. Every now and it's again. actually a movie's <laughs> a, sol a Solera method. method. <laughs> um, English. We bitter. use a union system on it, and we have uh, 14 punchins in the basement. That we I heard it was still the OG <laughs> Mr. Beer Kit beer that you just yeah, keep yeah, recycling yeah. off of. Uh, the Mr. Beer Kit is up there. Yeah, so yeah. it's sort of a gravity-fed <laughs> system. Um, yeah, uh, that was a beautiful thing because Gene, uh, Mike Lorenz, a very good friend of ours and very good friends of uh, Tired Hands, of course. Uh, Gene and I maybe have, had met before, but we'd never, uh, we, I couldn't even call him an acquaintance, in fact. Uh, he and I really had no, uh, oh, there's Zach right now. He's running down the greenway. Um, we had no uh, relationship at all, and uh, Mike Lorenz had brought uh, Gene up here on the way to a, uh, King Crimson concert and Gene had had Mui for the first time. He was like, oh, this is really cool. And I was like, thanks, you know, we were talking about it. And then apparently the, those conversations furthered, uh, continued with Michael and, uh, you know, I, I had heard pieces of this and that and then he said, hey, what would you, uh, how would you like to brew and can Mui at our facility? And I was like, um, what are you, what are you doing? Like, is this like, <laughs> am I getting punked right now? Is this a trick? <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah, what, what is this? You know, is this a collaboration, a contract, or like an other? And he's like, well, we've never done this before, so whatever you want it to be. And I was like, um, so what? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was really, it was sort of such a cool nod to that beer. And I, I don't know that that, I don't know that that ever will be the, like I see a lot of brewers, like Suarez is doing such a killer job of making everything. Mm -hmm. um, and his lagers get a lot of attention. Uh, and his clean beer gets a lot of attention. His farmhouse sales get a lot of attention. His hoppy beers get a, you know, if, if he is to make a quote-unquote hoppy beer, gets a nice amount of attention. Um, but he's also Dan Suarez. I am not Dan Suarez, you know. Uh, I, I don't wish I were, but I mean, I love Dan Suarez, but 
well, you know, I'm Sam and this is Bond Place. So um, we, we do teeter that line. And we, uh, John Hall said it best, that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. Like, yeah, I, I actually, oddly enough, I, you and Dan, I've never met him, but I you know heard him talk a bunch of times. And John just did an interview with him or whatever. You're oddly similar to me in that whenever I hear you both talk, it sounds like you're talking with a smile. Do you know oh, what I mean? cool. And, uh, 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 if that makes any sense. I don't it's know all if the, that makes It's all sense. the blueberry glaze. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then Lehigh Valley pizza. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, to speak to that even with with what Dan does up there and with loggers and pilsners and all that kind of stuff, that's pretty much, you know, we're, we're a year away from that being the sticker can. Put the reggae on. That being a year away from being the sticker can, it's going to be the super popular beer. You know what I mean? So with what you guys do, um, eventually it's going to get there because it's almost a natural progression for it to go to the lager pilsner and work itself back right. to something a bit more robust on the malty end of things before we get to the Belgian end of things and then everybody's happy because Belgian beer is fantastic. Sure, of course. So you're even though you're not steering in that trend direction, the trend is going to meet you guys eventually. What do you do when you're seven barrels in in a couple hundred square feet? Uh, so <laughs> I don't I don't uh, will that music bother nope. the cool? We're just opening up here. Um, so we, we're, we'll continue doing what we do because, again, we've never stopped brewing Mui, Opus. Uh, we've brewed In Root Health, our porter, four or five times at this point. Nemo, uh, the Dark Mild, I don't even know how many times at this point. The repeated beer, Scottish Breakfast. Our English-style beers, we've repeated. Um, there's only a number of, we'll call them trendier beers. Like Scooch, we keep brewing. Bunny Farm, we keep brewing. But Bunny Farm's more... I think you even said it in Imperial ESB. Uh, it was like, I was in Texas listening to that pod, uh, listening to that... What do you call this? Like a beer review? It's called the YouTubes. Yes. Because um, I remember seeing, I was like, oh, this is really rad. And I'm in like my rental car and it's hooked up to the US, to the Bluetooth. Yeah. And I'm like, play this thing. And there's like, okay. And I'm like, whoa, this is really rad. And I remember uh, that was one of the first times I got to hear somebody outside of our like immediate community review the beers. It was really rad. And I remember you saying about Bunny Farm being like almost inherently English, like, you know, um, it didn't really know what it wanted to be, and I think that's a lot of our beers. So how would we keep up to those trends when inevitably we become the trend? Well, uh, we are in contract on another facility across town. It's about a mile away from here. It's a 3,000-square-foot um, brewing facility with a dive bar attached to it. Um, it's currently a dive bar with an empty warehouse behind it and two apartments upstairs and 3,000-square-foot of empty roof. That would be brilliant for a cool ship. Um, where are you? Like you're. We're in contract. Signed? We were supposed to close July 31st. Okay. Unfortunately, we're on a phase two environmental investigation because there may be gas tanks under it. So we may not have this building by the time this podcast comes out. Um, that's where I want to put some maybe uh, conditioning tanks. We would still make wort here and just truck it over. So you're not going to expand the brewing portion of the thing. You're just going to. We would the fermentation okay. portion. Uh, we wouldn't yeah, get yeah, a bigger. Yeah. We wouldn't get you right. We wouldn't get a larger brew house. So you're still going to do seven barrels at a clip. We would make more wort. We would ferment more wort. We would make more dry hopped, like two week beers here because mm. we could turn, turn and burn those. And we can never keep up to that demand. Yeah. So, Bunny Farm is a two week beer. Scooch is a two week beer. Um, anything hoppy because we only typically have one to, one to three tops hoppy options available. And one of those might be a nitro beer. So, like, it may be a, just a repeat beer of one of the other ones. Um, so, we would be able to make more of those uh, and keep up to any style trends is it difficult you know i'm a terrible capitalist i feel like i'm a, a much better brewer than a brewery owner 
and uh, that sounds maybe cocky, but I don't. I didn't go to school for. Bit, I didn't really, quite frankly, go to school for brewing. So, um, sorry about that. Is that glaze? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Had nothing to do with the two fingers of whiskey fed us. Yeah. Getting yeah. <laughs> hey, it's uh, it's eleven a.m. somewhere. So <laughs> we would we would just keep up to it appropriately, and 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 actually our our guests really dictate. And this is another thing I've said ad nauseum. I mean, this is something I've said so repeatedly that I'm sure you've heard it. Um, there is by no means any of the three facets of this business: uh, primary, secondary, tertiary, but. If our guests and our employees are happy, my family's going to be happy because our guests and our employees are keeping. It's like this beautiful checks and balances. So, if if I'm in the position of president of the executive branch, which would somehow encompass um, the employees, uh, but I'm somehow also like the head judge of the Supreme Court and the judicial, and then our customers are really our legislative. But like, there's like this beautiful village mentality to it um i would never put my family last but they can't be happy if our guests and our employees aren't happy so our guests can't be happy if we don't keep up with some sort of trend because maybe they there are beer like there's people who come in here and they they choose to be our guests or not and if they don't see a, an ipa on the board which has happened they'll walk out so we have to like engage them and be like they'll be like what ipas do you have well we have this bunny farm that you might like oh i love that cool that's it now they're happy. They don't care what it's called, a rose by any other name. Man, I'm just quoting Shakespeare like crazy today, or whoever that was, uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche or something. Uh, you know, it, we we have to keep up to the trends somehow, and if that's even putting a bitter in a can, well, those 20% of people who will drink that beer 10 out of 10, and then those 50% of people that'll drink that beer 8 out of 10, and then those 20% of people that might try it because it says tired hands on it, and rate it really high <laughs> you know we keep them happy what's it what's it like kind of teaching is it is the community here um kind of teaching them about these beers because you have to do a lot more kind of a without having an ipa on all the time or right. or not having you know uh, this tr- check this trendy beer mark here you have to do a lot more across the bar kind of oh this is this this is that and and teach people what what beer is and and things like that like is the community as a whole down here? Do you think it's people coming here expecting something a bit different? Or is it more just you're actively always trying to teach and trying to help people understand what they're getting into? It's a cool challenge. Uh, when we first opened, we were considering... Um, so this chalkboard here even, like it was supposed to have maybe the fermenters on it. And then it was going to say all these things that I found out that people actually don't care about. Unless you're this underwhelming majority of people who like actually care what the gravity, the Play-Doh starting gravity of your word was. <laughs> I was at a I was at a brewery last year. They had they had Play-Doh on the board. Somebody walks up to the bar, asks what that is. The bartender behind it goes, "I don't know." Cool. I sitting at the bar had to answer that. I'm like, "Why is that on the board?" He's no actually Socrates. Uh, uh, yeah. I was gonna say that you jerk. <laughs> yeah, so I, I saw you getting ready. Um, <laughs> That's been cool here. I mean, the beer... So we're right down the street from Keystone Homebrew. Actually, Ryan works at Keystone Homebrew as well. Uh, The people... A lot... Every brewer here has some hours behind the bar, and there's always a brewer. If it's me, Ryan, or Josh, there's always a brewer available to field such questions for those people who do care about that, or maybe even people who are curious. Um, We wanted to have, like, those wood-top school stools. I mean, they're 
ridiculously cheap and like we wanted to make it like sort of like beer school like we never thought we'd be like a busy nightlife spot like i was like we'll close at eight o'clock no (laughs) we don't get busy till nine o'clock um it's i think the people who care it's been really rad saturdays and sundays during the day are really cool because we have that chance to engage um and it is funny sometimes you know i don't Somebody calling the beer the wrong name or something, we never really correct them. Or I might hear somebody at the bar saying like something that's totally incorrect. And unless it's somehow not preserving the integrity of the facility, I don't usually say anything. Yeah. Um, but if somebody asks, I might, you know, of course I would love to engage about that. Uh, the challenge, I suppose, has been, because I called it a, a fun challenge, has been more in the willingness, you know, um, and that this place is not at all what I expected it to be. I anticipated it to be an, uh, a pub, so... 15 questions ago, mm-hmm. um, the traditional, why do we have a hand pull? Well, shit, the next place, I'd love to have 10 hand pulls and like a nitro faucet yeah. and, you know, uh, you know, do like an open top fermenter of just cask beer and maybe do the same cask beer four different ways or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of cool opportunity now through that education. I don't know that people come in here expecting anything. I feel like some people are walking down the greenway and it's music fest and they're like, that might be a brewery. I'm going to go get my mug filled. Or, you know, they might be coming up the street and say, oh, brewery. I like breweries. Let me check it out. i never heard of that one. Um, or they might be like, I saw that you guys were in cans from Tired Hands. There must be something to you. Let me check it out. I don't know that people know what to expect. Like, I don't know what the level of research is these days. You know, I know when I was 24 years old and driving through New Mexico, I was like, brewery, cool. You know, I didn't know Santa Fe Brewing Company did some of the best sour beer in the country at the time. You know, it was... Again, let's say it was 2007 or 2010, maybe. I, that was a 2010 road trip. I'm driving through Santa Fe. I'm at a Whole Foods. I see Santa Fe Brewing IPA. I'm like, well, I'm in Santa Fe. This must be a brewery. I ask the attendant. They're like, oh, they're right down the street, and I go to the brewery. I didn't expect anything except that the IPA I had was quite lovely and well-balanced and remarkable to, you know, to me in 2010 especially. And then these, like, Pinot Noir barrel-aged beers in the middle of the desert. (laughs) Whoa. I didn't expect that. I don't know what people expect when they come in here. And so I guess the challenge is then to educate them on Bond Place and, like, sort of what our technique and method and our willingness to experiment is. So if we get people asking enough, like, hey, when are you going to bring back some pig coffee pale ale? Or when are you going to bring back hard-pass corn lager? Whoa, rad. You want our corn lager again? You know, that was a special beer and kind of got like passed by by a lot of people. It was a hard pass for some and it was hard to pass up for others, you know. I think a lot of people just see lager and just. Well, it, it, that's the, the it. corn thing has a big stigma about it. Yeah. You know, a good beer is good beer regardless. I mean, I don't know. You're talking about just ideologies, I guess, at that point, and some people just are just so inherent on being a hard line against that a certain thing that it doesn't matter what you do or There's th- you know they can't disassociate like yeah the same person's like oh man corn and corn and rice and beer that makes it horrible you guys right. want to go out for some sake yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, uh there's this new tortilla place <laughs> um it's gluten free you, you talked about the uh, drinking an ipa and it kind of turned you on what what do you drink when you're not drinking your own beer? Is there something specific, or are you just doing like you said earlier, which is constantly trying to experiment and try different things and and see what's out there? Or are you uh, just Jenny Cream Ale? Fuck the world. That's part of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, Jenny Cream Ale. Fuck the world together, like big yeah. orgy, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I drink a lot of Genesee Cream Ale, but I'll tell you, I haven't bought a thirty pack of Jenny in a long time, man, because uh, so much cool stuff has been made available. Um, 
and of course these things were available to me before but I just never really left the island like I never got out of South Bethlehem um, we I do drink a considerable amount of our beer um, there are constantly beers I'm seeing that I, I would love to try so uh, Lehigh Pizza does have a nice revolving um, selection so um, you know I'll, I'll I'll try something new there maybe every here and there um, as far as locally there's a there's a few breweries I really enjoy um, you know, like let's say Funk or something like that a lot of their beer makes their way over here because Keith is awesome or Kyle's awesome and they just drop off four packs and uh, people have been really rad we actually had to sort of implement a rule here where uh, unless we drank it with you we couldn't take outside beers anymore because the LCB sort of gave us a little bit of heck about having outside of Pennsylvania beer. we can sell beer made in PA mm-hmm. we can't say sell beer made in Massachusetts or Maine or Vermont or any of these places people are driving 20 hours and waiting in line for um, so what do I enjoy drinking I mean really uh, or what have I been drinking lately besides our own beer I mean uh, again I think I na- funk I've been drinking a lot of funk lately just because it's been coming over here they just put a pilsner out that's killer um, and uh, I guess that's a, sort of a convenient thing because they, they, they've been made really available to us um, we were just at Hidden Rivers three year anniversary last week and that was like out of con- they're they're rad they're super rad those dudes just I just the that that place is like that's like a happy place for me so I'll try to get down there every here and there um, I don't I don't drink much beer outside of our own because uh, the liquor store is far closer <laughs> than a, and I could walk there so I drink a lot of rosé um, summertime. And I'm thirsty. So when are you coming out with the Rosé Berliner? Oh, man. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just I, had a Rosé Berliner from Florida that was like so... It was beer, but it was so close to Rosé. It was bonkers. It was so good. So we're uh, our Oak program has been really rad. And I think the Fodor... We'll call it a Fodor, despite its you know size and everything. Um, and you've got you've had that from the get, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we've had... and. Uh, you know, we had to season it. Like, a lot of beers in, in the beginning were just sort of conditioned in it. Mm-hmm. Let's get some microflora going in there. Let's get some some, some cool stuff like groovy groovy jazz going in that thing. So uh, we have a footer ferment. It's our second or third footer ferment. It's our second fermented beer in there out right now. It's a yuzu lemon saison. The yuzus were grown in New Jersey. The malt is all from Pennsylvania. Uh, the hops were Sunny Bray hops. Those were Pennsylvania. So it's entirely local. And, uh, of course, the house culture that we've acquired at this point is what um so what i my plan was actually to do get that the next one that's in there is called five or one so it's five or one that's <laughs> what people are going to rate it um uh it's a five grain saison all pa um after that we're going to put mui in there and do like a farmhouse mui because i'd love to green bottle that and then light strike the fuck out of it so it's like yeah, old dupont buddy. like um, stinky, stinky Dupont that I miss so much because they started brown bottling it, and we got it too. We get it too fresh now. I don't know what's up with that. Um, and then I would love to do like a cider in there and sort of rewash the footer. Okay, but yeah, maybe yeah. do some um, uh, some red grapes in there too because we did a grappa inspired saison with pomace, and that gave it a really beautiful Venice character. And I'm gonna get you guys some of that yuzu saison. I think you'll really pick up on that that's now part of it. So there's like three or four indigenous PA cultures in there. There's a lager culture in there. Our house um, English ale strain is in there. Um, there's three strains of Brett that we've pitched, um, lactobacillus. There's a, 
a lot of really cool stuff in there. So the new facility, I would really hope to have a couple different. Ones yeah, I'd love to have like maybe one grow that we them. yeah, and see where it goes and and season those differently. Like every cast iron pan, you know, like that's the one we cook fish in. You know, I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to sort of cross pollinate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's been really cool. That's been a wonderful opportunity for us, and I think. That's what really inspired the new facility was like, we want to do more of that. We want to do more lagers, but we have no space to hold. I can't keep beer here for six weeks, let alone four months, six months. You know, to even, we have 15-gallon barrels in the basement, so we have to turn and burn those, you know. Um, we're going to do one more clean beer through those, and then we'll probably start aging some funky stuff in there, really strip a lot of that bourbon and rum character, get it down to like a more raw, charred oak, um, and then get more micro gunk growing in there um going back to the lager point actually there was something i wanted to say about that i had a fellow in here last night that said to me um what you, they were ordering wall and paw pack cream ales mm -hmm. and he said to me uh, and this this is what's a challenge about the re-education is removing myself from where i've been and wh what i've become so i'm not it doesn't come across as snarky or sarcastic they asked me for a, what was close to a lager and my immediate reaction was oh we have a lager on it's a six and a half percent maple spruce black. It's a Baltic porter. <laughs> yeah, that's not what he wants. He no. wants no. England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to remove myself, so I have to actually re-educate myself to uh, that place, and that's a challenge because you don't mean to sound like a dick. Like I had a girl in here yesterday. She's like, "Oh, can you take these T-shirts off our bill? Uh, we didn't realize we had to pay for them." And I was like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" She's like. Yeah, we asked the bartender how we get t-shirts. He says, well, you ask, and you tell me what size you need, and I get them for you. That's a real answer. Yeah. So she yeah. got them. So they were wearing them, and I was gone for, like, honestly, if it was three to five minutes. I was actually going upstairs to get the bottle of whiskey because, uh, you know, it was Saturday, and Saturday's for the boys. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I said to her, I was like, and it's, it came across totally the wrong way, and I should have known this. She said, uh, yeah, we didn't know we had to pay for them. I was like, well, yeah, well, that's typically how it works. But, like, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yes, you do. But, like, that's fine. I'll take them off the bill. And then she's like, well, we don't typically go to breweries, and we don't typically know how it works. And I was like, uh. Still not just going to hand you a like, T-shirt for free. Like, besides <laughs> NBA basketball games, where do, they, right. where do you get free T-shirts? I don't yeah. know. And I, I uh, it, it kind of, like, Kevin and I felt really, like, we were like, oh, man, that kind of ruined our buzz. You know what I mean? Like. And I don't mean like, like I mean like our life buzz because we were feeling yeah. really cool. Like it was a great day. Um, the point of that is, for me, the challenge is not to be, not to be a New Yorker, <laughs> not to be constantly sarcastic and blunt and like, real. I don't know. Like yeah, but you don't, you can't, you can't think like that because you want to. This is What's you want to live here. You want to be you. Yeah, right. You don't want to have to force yourself to be something you're not. Uh, as I say this to an actor, um, but yeah, you know, you know what I mean. You want to, you, you, you can't just be again try to please everybody all the time, kind of thing. We talked about it a couple times already. You you need to, you know, you want to be nice to the customer, but at some point you just can't be like, okay, it's gonna walk on eggshells the whole time and just kind of be, you know, nice. And that's and that's <laughs> what that was. So that's the balance. So um, yeah, and I and I haven't changed, but it's also part of the reason why I've removed myself from bartending. I, I shouldn't be back there. You know, I should be back there present and aware of what's going on, but I should not be directly engaging in service with the customer because I take it way too personal and serious. Mm -hmm. That's a challenge. 
because like, just that gut reaction, like somebody says something and that was immediate yeah, response. Um, that's typically how it works. Yeah. Oops, I didn't realize that was mean, and it wasn't. Yeah. But to that person, inebriated, you know, because I realized afterwards, like there was no reasoning anyway. Like, and I kind of heard her. Like she already felt stupid, and I then made her feel more stupid, but yeah. not with any great intention or malice. Like, yeah, yeah. and I'd have to talk with my my door guy, our, our, our door guy here, who he's amazing. Is from Connecticut, and he's very similarly. So one night he told a young lady, "Hey, like she took like the record player and the plants off the stools over there." He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa do you need a stool?" And she was like. She like said something funny and he was like, well, can you put that back and I'll get you a stool? And she's like, so she kicks it over and he's like, um, no, can you put that back? <laughs> like, and so she wrote me an email. She's like, your one male uh, employee embarrassed me in front of all my friends, scolded me for moving furniture. And, you know, I'm getting both sides of it. I know how he reacts. And I know he's a great guy and he has good intentions and he... He told me that story, and I'm sure it was just totally misconstrued. Neither of them were right, but I don't want him to change. I don't need him to be like, oh, I'm so sorry, la, la, la. But I also, I, he and I specifically have to be more aware of, like, how we approach those situations, I guess. What it sounds like to me, in the end, whether you're talking about the beer, dealing with the customer, and all the shit is, you know, all are welcome. Just don't be a dick. You yeah. know what I mean? You can't, like, you could try, you can't please everybody all the time, but... That was the first you know, thing just, we said. Just, just, just be, just be a good fucking person, right? You know what I mean. Don't like it's not complicated. You know what I mean. If you're a dick, go be a dick. Just do it somewhere else. And, we have one and, guy who comes in here. He still since we opened, uh, like Music Fest 2016, we were still getting our bearings. We were closing at 11. We we still do. We can't even be open past 12, but we were closing at 11 at the time. We could have been open till two. Technically, we were a brew pub, so those hours were allowed to us. Fellas, I, I did last call, and on his way, I was like, good night, guys. And he goes, <laughs> he said something like, fuck you, maybe you should stay open later. And I was like, no, sir, fuck you, have a good night. <laughs> anyway, I was like, I'll never see him again. A week later, I see him sitting over there, he's drinking his beer quietly. Somebody else had ordered. He didn't even have, like, I don't want to say he didn't have the guts yet to come up to the bar, but I was cleaning up glasses, and uh, I walked past him, he's like, hey, man, uh, I owe you an apology. And I was like, no, you're good. And he's like, no, a couple weeks ago I said, fuck you. I said, no, I remember, and I said it back to you, so, like, we're cool. And he's like, no, man, that really wasn't cool. You know, you have your hours. I was drunk. Da -da -da. I was like, listen, man, I'm going to buy you a beer, and we're going to hang out for a minute. Like, we've actually become buddies, whatever. But he always tells that story, and the funniest thing about it was his buddies that were with him were like, you tell him fuck you and you get a free beer, <laughs> like, you know, and that became the story like with Steve, you know, um, and again, great dude turns out. That's a great example. Thank you of how somebody uh, is. He was a dick at the time. We both realized we were wrong. We both apologized and hugged it out. I feel like nine out of ten times that can happen, mm -hmm. but there is the one out of ten. That, there's no reasoning they'll, with the person. They'll go to their grave saying, yeah. I fucking write and you owe me everything right. now. And maybe that's actually more than, it's maybe like 20 to 30%. Yeah. But and growing nowadays. Seems yeah, like, well, Yelp is great <laughs> for us to make fun of. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it really became a, it, it was eye-opening for me because like, oh, whoa. Like I, and I told the one dude who gave us the one-star review saying we were racist. I was like, hey, man. Because I, I wrote him a private message. It's like, I will meet you whenever, wherever, with whoever you want. I will come alone. We can talk about this like men because you're not doing anything great for you or your people or for me or for whatever. I said, because we're the same. Yeah. 
he then like writes an addendum to his review, and when you when you can't uh, that when you leave the owner a bad review, he can't, he harasses you or something like this. And I was like, fine, you know, yeah. could I have not taken a screenshot and been like, oh, actually, this is what I really wrote, everybody, you know, I don't know, it's a, uh, it's not worth it. Yeah, it's not because that person's not going to change. I I I tried my best to engage and to be like, hey, let's be man about this because. I ain't playing these games with you, you know, like, this ain't my thing, like, I'm not here to play games, I'm here to have fun, and if you are too, we can have fun together, and we can, like, do what this place was always intended to be, and that's have a community and build a community around, around beer. Uh, when, it's funny when something great happens here, and our guests that, our regulars will call them come in, and they won't even realize necessarily, and then they're like, Oh, by the way, like, congratulations on two GABF medals. Like, that was really rad. And I'm like, thanks, man. Yeah, it was really rad. And they're like, where are they? I'm like, they're behind the coffee machine. <laughs> because you're going to come in no matter what, because we can serve Wall and Paw Pack Cream Ale, which, by the way, is an amazing beer. I love the beer. Yeah, CJ's awesome. CJ's. I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about him or are getting to talk about him. Uh, he's incredible, and he's, he's doing, at 22 years old, he's doing God's work, man. So uh, fucking, he's a fucking kid. He's a baby. I want to yeah. punch him in the face. He's yeah, so awesome. no, he's on top of the world. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if he knows that. You're on top of the world. No, he's <laughs> too. He's too humble and scared. He's a little bit nervous. Yeah, he's well, a little he's, shaky. He's, he's but 22. Yeah, yeah. Well, 23 now technically. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, he's perpetually 21 to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the first time he came in here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's where he started. Uh, um, the point of that was is like. So we serve Wall and Pop at Cream Ale here, and that's, that's the alternative beer for me, for the people who are, like, dipping the toes. And it's a great beer that we don't make and we don't can and we don't have available to the public like they make available to us. Um, and I feel like some of our, our guests would be happy to just enjoy that and sit here and enjoy the atmosphere. Um, so, again, going back to that, this place was always supposed to be that. You know, if you read our original business plan, it says in there, like, the beer's not supposed to be ancillary, but, like, what good is a trophy if you don't have a really cool trophy case, you know? Mm-hmm. And this was always supposed to be the, the showcase for these beers. And it's and it's become that. I mean, this place is super... Everybody that I brought here, whether last time I came with Keith... Shut up. You're talking way too much. And uh, Oh, Keith's ooh, here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he never talks. But um, <laughs> best color man in the biz. Barely noticed him. <laughs> I thought that was the sound engineer. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, it's organic. You know what I mean? That's kind of... You know, your goal has been achieved, and it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel fake or anything like that but oh thanks man yeah no, we love you because you're not a dick uh, no it's not contrived at all and i think that uh, everybody who works here really does uh, whether it's gina and me or we we do a really nice job of keeping it real on that level uh you know gina's not behind the bar for a very good reason either you know she she you, like i learned all my bad habits from her mm. and kevin but mostly her. <laughs> I, I think it's very cute to go back to a question from, you know, eight questions ago that you referred to yourself as the president and the ruler. Yeah, um, Grand, yeah, chan- Grand Chancellor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. No, your kids and Gina rule the roost. Like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like you have any say in what. In right. <laughs> uh, funny enough, somebody just asked me yesterday, uh, are, are you the owner here? And I said, well, uh, I'm more of a figurehead. My one-year-old son is, in fact, the owner. <laughs> Uh, and then somebody laughed and said, oh, you mean the inheritor? I said, sure. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, uh, so on paper, funny enough, I am. Uh, Sam owns 100% of Bond Place Brewing Incorporated. Uh, we are by no means a community-owned or ran or employee-owned or ran. Well, except that 
the majority shareholder is an employee. Yeah. Uh, not only am I the president, <laughs> uh, but it is uh, operated as such. Do you see what I'm saying? So, yes. like, on paper, to protect Gina and the whatever, we don't own anything besides a 2012 Subaru. Um, we don't own anything, so it's not like we're protecting much. But the new facility won't be as, the same way. You know, there, there's uh, these strange sort of protections you can offer yourself in, in, in formatting. Um, we really should have made Gina the owner, so we own like had a, like a major a, a minor a woman a female owned business would be really rad, and just sort of, you know, get some benefits from that. But uh, she's protected, but she is the owner, and my son. So I want I want to talk about the new facility real quick. If you're still producing your wort here, what size like vessel like what size tanks and, and stuff would you be going with without increasing the brew house size? We find, I have found, so I, I was like, we are not growing, we are not growing, we are not growing. And then um, I was like, whoa, we have no space for cans of Mui, and we have no space to empty our bright tank this week, you know, and the, sl- the summertime slows down for us. Mm-hmm. We can't brew this week. We need more fermentation space and storage space. Um we're still going to do seven barrels and probably just buy like thousand liter. Uh, I was thinking horizontals even, and not because of you know the tradition of the horizontal mm-hmm. tank. Actually, more for like mm-hmm. yeah, transportation yeah. and also uh, ease of like stacking and things like that. Oh, okay, like, uh, the ceilings are very high there, but it'd be really nice to be able to put put more in there. So we are actually just. It really is truly to increase storage and fer- fermentation. So we would still go with. Uh, seven barrel eight barrel fermenters but just uh, you know if if a 14 barrel came our way and we could do a double something i wouldn't say no to that um especially for blending maybe but uh i feel like this 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 is the smallest we could go and more fermentation space would really with without wanting to we don't distribute and i don't have no plans of distribution Mm -hmm. so yeah we'd probably stick at seven barrels and uh, maybe a few fermenters and mm-hmm. a lot of conditioning tanks. Yeah. And then that would be a pub eventually as well as a thing. So we have to keep up. But maybe we would only open that a couple days a week. Yeah. More like a, it's, it's kind of like in a rough neighborhood, mm-hmm. I guess. But so was this four years ago, you know? Yeah. Now, are there any plans of like, you know, grabbing like a canning line, doing that over there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, especially mobile at first. Mm. And then maybe getting some sort of like quick two-head filler, maybe even doing crawlers at first, you know. I'm not a huge fan of the crawler. Um, I'm a huge fan of the concept and the idea of it. I don't I don't love the way they pour. I don't love like the amount of dissolved oxygen you can get in them. I don't know how fresh it's being drank. Mm-hmm. In lieu of a growler, yeah, I love it. It's easier yeah. to transport. It's more... Uh, the. Not that the resource is more renewable. Uh, if you're reusing your glass growlers, then, you know, kudos and all. But, you know, uh, those break easily or more easily. And the growler, once you're done, you discard, you recycle. And they're inexpensive. So less translated cost to the to the consumer. And how many times do you just go to a brewery and forget your growler at home? Right. And that's you convenient know? about the growler as well. And you don't want to buy a new $5, you know, and that's if they're $5 or whatever they are. Three to tw- I've seen them as high as $10 for a swing top bottle. Uh, I've seen them as high as 20 for, like, the really nice ones. But, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and we, now you're like, shit, i got to buy another growler. I'm going to bring yeah. it home. My wife's going <laughs> to take like, up more space. Yeah. I think we've got 50 at home, and Gina's like, when are we getting rid of these? I'm like, the new place. We're going to hang them up in the new place. She's like, are you going to dust? I'm like, yes, I'm going to dust 50 growlers, <laughs> and I will. Like, you know, she goes crazy. Like, we have bottles over there, you know, discarded <laughs> bottles that we enjoyed, you know. Um, and she's like, do, we, do you have to keep? I'm like, Gina. Who cleans this place once a week? She's like, well, you don't do a very good job of it. I'm like, <laughs> yes, fine. That Sorry, that bottle of Newberg uh, rodeo frown is staying in the corner. I will dust it when I remember. Um, <laughs> the, so we would have plans of putting maybe like, I don't know if we'd put our own canning line in. I know that they do these really rad like two head fillers now mm-hmm. that you can, if you know what you're doing, you can perch them pretty well and keep them pretty sanitary. You yeah, know, I, maybe uh, do like a, a forehead bottle filler for wild ales and then do a can. Mm-hmm. I love bottles. I still love like a, se- a, a split or a 750. And my hands love bottles too. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Is that from capping or something? Or? No, it's from packing. Whoa. Packing cases. Cool. Yeah. Rad. <laughs> Shout out to River Horse. <laughs> Man, working man's got working hands. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I would love to I would love to see more opportunities in that. Uh having cans here for the first time and we've collaborated with people before and been in our names our name has been on cans so we brewed a beer with Newberg Brewing Company called Mui Boss it was part of their Boss series which was really awesome it was a, a blend of Mui and Cream Ale and then dry hopped with Christopher and my favorite hops that were uh, used in both beers um, that was really rad and then we did a beer with a uh, soul called All the Feels which was a uh, it was like a panettone, a Christmas, like a pastry IPA. Um, and both of those beers showed us that, of course, there's a market for it. I mean, I'm not, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be fighting for yeah. shelf space. Yeah. So if we could sell it here or the other place and have like a well, little. Well, that's the thing right now. I don't, outside of doing, you know, uh, what you do at Tired Hands, you couldn't, you can't let anything no. leave here. You know what I mean? You, then you'd have to close the tap room. Right. And so. uh, it's not, it's not worth it. I mean, again, mm-hmm. keeping employees and guests happy. If our guests can't come in and have, you know, an Opus, for instance, which it's not on right now, but that, you know, there are people, they'll have the Porter or the Nemo instead, and they're happy to do so. But if we don't have these things available to them, um, that doesn't keep our guests happy. And then uh, if we can't satisfy demand in-house, then we can't keep our employees happy because then nobody's coming here. Mm -hmm. Or they're coming here to buy cans and they're leaving. Well, on that note... How do people come here and, one, ask you questions that piss you off and make you make bad decisions, and, two, come to get a little bit of Cascal. Do a little uh, do a little Bond p- Place plug for yourself. What do people just go on the Instagrams, type in Bond Place, yeah, and at, have at it? at Bond Brewing, B-O-N-N-B-R-E-W-I-N-G. Uh, that's N as in Nancy, N as in Nancy on the Bond, former capital of West Germany. has nothing to do with our name. Um, that never pisses me off. <laughs> uh, for real, though. Uh, you said what questions piss me off? No, I said, how do people find you so they can ask you questions? To oh, oh, we're word. ending the podcast. Yeah, is what no. We're doing. Oh, word. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know we started. Yeah, uh, no so official start, but damn it, there's an official ending. This <laughs> is this is Sam at Bond Brewing Company, uh, Bond Place Brewing Company. Uh, yeah, at Bond Brewing. I think we have a website, www.bondbrewing.com. Um, it's updated when I update it, which is typically once a week. I do pretty well with that, um, so you can see what we have available. 
the new cask is listed every week. Really, the the Instagram is the uh, the best way. And I I can't tell people you have to go. You have to check it out just for the videos of themselves. If you want a little entertainment, you're sitting on the old pooper and you need a little bit of a good good time video. That's where we post them from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. It's like we shook hands. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> microflora. Oh yeah, you got to get that. Wow, it's a mixed culture going on. Here, so if you guys want to check that out. Do a little bit of Bon Brewing, absolutely tasteful goodness. We're we're, we're doing. He's he's trying to do a little selfie action right now. Trying to get. (laughs) Ah, good enough. There There it is. is. So there you go, guys. What's that old western, The Quiet Man? Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. He's right he's on. in the picture about as much as he spoke. <laughs> there you go. The ratio of words yeah. is uh, proper. So uh, head down to Bethlehem Proper, Bomb Place Brewing. Uh, check out Sam, the crew down here. Uh, watch yeah, yeah. the videos Come on the say Instagrams. Hi. Say hi and uh, and chug a few cask beers. Right on. Cheers.